A successful retirement plan begins with assembling the right set of tools. Finding the proper ones for the job will allow you to drill down on your goals and nail down your future. Scott Searles, certified wealth strategist and owner of Skybox Financial Group, constructs retirement plans for clients every day and will share that knowledge and insight with you. It's time to open the retirement toolbox and get to work. Hey, hey, welcome to another edition of the Retirement Toolbox. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Scott Searles, financial advisor, president of Skybox Financial Group in the greater Cleveland area, also with an office in Bradenton, Florida. Find us online at skyboxfinancialgroup.com. Today we're going to be talking about is the greener grass truly on the other side when it comes to your financial life and uh, preparing for retirement? We're going to look at some situations where things uh, might not always be so green on the other side, or maybe they are. We'll see if there's two sides to that coin on the show today. We've also got uh, a great listener question from Dana today that we're going to dive into. Uh, Dana and uh, her husband, unfortunately, are getting a divorce and splitting up their assets. And so she's trying to figure out how some of the money exchange is going to happen there. So we're going to ask Scott to help us navigate through that situation as well. Plus, we're going to be talking about ideal dates on the show today. We'll tell you what we mean by that in a few moments as well. Scott, thanks for being here this week. What's up with you, my friend? You, you caught me with the ideal date thing. I just The ideal date. That is the uh, getting to know you question for this week? Yeah, it's going to be the getting to know you. I'm, I'm going to hold it a secret, though. It's I'm not going to tell you if we're talking date like you know, date of the month or, or like ideal date of the year, or if we're talking about like going on a date, we'll, we'll save that a little bit for later okay. in the show. So, all right. Yeah. I'll, no, I'll let, I'll let you stew on it for a little bit. Well, Hey, everything's going great here. Another <laughs> you know, gloomy gray day in uh, Northeast Ohio winter. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's, you come to expect that this time of year, right? So at least, yes. at least no surprises. Well, if, we were spoiled because I mean, geez, I think all, Big chunk of November, we had a lot of sun. It was unusually nicer than it than it is, mm. and uh, I kept I kept telling everybody, I like you know, take advantage of this the the sun now because we won't see it for like three months. Yeah, you know when when winter rolls in, those days don't come along very often, do they? They do not. No, so, few and okay. far between. Well, I'm glad that you can get a bright day every once in a while uh, to break up the gloominess a little bit. But this show is never gloomy, Scott. You always brighten our day up a little bit with your perspective and your help on the show. So let's get to it so that we can uh, have that that bright wisdom that you share each time in each episode here. Uh, So I mentioned we're going to talk about the greener grass on the other side. We all know that saying, right? Sometimes... And we're going to kind of approach this from the evaluating your current relationship with your financial advisor, if if you have one. And sometimes, right. you know what? You do need a new financial advisor. Other times, you might need uh, a new advisor. You might think you need a new advisor. But really, uh, you might just be guilty of thinking the grass is greener on the other side, and things won't actually be that different if you make a change. So I want to talk right. about some common scenarios and explore whether these are legitimate reasons for leaving your advisor, Scott, or if it's just one of those grass is greener on the other side kinds of situations. Make sense? Right. Yeah. No, okay. it makes perfectly sense. So we got five much sense. Okay, perfect. We've got five (laughs) points to go through. Then, Uh, much sense it does make. uh, It maketh (laughs) on the show. Uh, So one one complaint or one issue that we've heard from folks before, not necessarily saying directly with you, Scott, but just uh, throughout the financial realm, if you will, 
is someone has uh, certainly at one point in time said, you know what, my advisor made a mistake. Now, he or she even admitted it, but it cost me some money. Right, right. Is that a reason to run for, run for the hills? That, that mistake gets made, costs you some money. They're upfront about it and saying, hey, we made the mistake, but still it's like, this is my life savings. Can I, can I really forgive that? Do I need to move on? Yeah, well, you know, so there's a couple key things in there. Number one, everybody makes mistakes, right? It just happens. I mean, no matter what industry, everybody makes a mistake. And they're obviously, they're varying sizes, you know, from little silly mistakes to a big, huge mistake. And number one, if someone does, your advisor does make a mistake and they, they admit it, that's step one, saying, hey, you know what, we got this wrong, we missed this, or whatever the case may be. And then making it right for you is, I think, the key there. Because, you know, everybody's human. You got to own up to that mistake and say, hey, you know what? We made this mistake, and then this is how we're going to fix it. And that's the key. And then if that is not the case where, hey, if there was a mistake made, hopefully they, you know, don't dodge around it and say, well, we didn't do that. We didn't do that. I mean, that's a huge red flag right there. And then also the fact that if they don't make it right for you, you know, then then that's the issue too. And if they don't admit it and they don't make it right, then, you know, that, that may be a red flag where you may want to look for another advisor because there's a trust factor there and, and that, that trust has been broken because they didn't admit it and they didn't make it right. That's a really good point. That's a key piece of that complaint or of that issue, the admitting it themselves. I mean, I think the one thing you can ask for in any relationship, professional or otherwise, is honesty, right? And straightforwardness. Right. Yeah, so exactly. I, I, I would value that a lot in that situation over the mistake. So now you're right. It depends on how big the mistake was. It was the sure. mistake. We lost uh, 75% of your money and we can't get it back. Oops. Well, that's, that's a big mistake. That yeah. might be a big mistake. That might be one. Yeah. To, that, that's not a grass is greener on the other side kind of thing. You got a legitimate concern there. So Yeah, that's an issue. Yeah, big big time. All right, so that's that's one issue, one uh, one concern. Here's another one, a little different angle. Let's say that I'm uh, I'm working with an advisor and I say, you know what, my, my advisor's business seems to have gotten really big and maybe too big. And now I just don't see or, or talk to my advisor very often anymore. I end up just communicating with one of his or her associates. Um, is that a big red flag? Is that a reason to maybe go look for another advisor? You've kind of lost that personal attention. Well, so I, I don't necessarily think so. But again, it depends on how that advisor has handled his practice. Because so when you go to see the doctor, right, and, and you call up and you need to get a prescription refill, you don't necessarily talk to the doctor to get your prescription refill. You talk to, to one of the nurse on, on the doctor's staff that will, you know, approve or, or t communicate with the doctor to see if that prescription needs to be approved, you know, approved, and they'll go ahead and take care of it for you. So you don't necessarily need to talk to the doctor for things like that. But when you go in the C and you go in for your physical, you're going for your doctor's appointment, you should be meeting with the doctor. Uh, so if you kind of equate that to a financial advisor's practice, is that if you call up and you just, you know, you need some money out of your account, or you've got a question on your statement, that's probably something that could be handled by their staff, and you don't necessarily need to speak to that advisor. But when you do come in for your annual reviews, or there's issues, or you've got more complex questions, you should be talking with that advisor 
all the time with that because that advisor is the one that you trust and has, has got the ideas, has got the knowledge and helped to guide you to where you need to go. So sometimes advisors make their practices so big that they will have, you know, like junior advisors as the main point of contact with clients and they never see the other advisor again, the main advisor. Now, that may be an issue where that's a red flag saying, boy, you know, I've completely been handed off. I'm not dealing with that advisor anymore. Now I got this other guy or girl and, you know, I don't feel as confident in them and their decisions as I did the other advisor. So that may be a flag. You know, I, I think that the main thing is that when you go in for meetings, you do your reviews, that you're meeting with that advisor. If there's issues, you're communicating with them. Some of the small stuff doesn't necessarily, you don't need to deal with the advisor with, but you need to know that, that, you know, that person's always there and that's the person that you're going to be dealing with. And it's ultimately helping get you to where you need to go. Great perspective on that one, Scott. Thanks for the help in evaluating that situation as well. Let's try another one here. Uh, let's say that I went to a dinner seminar with the financial advisor and found that person to be very entertaining, very engaging, great personality. In fact, probably more so than my current advisor. So um, I'm, I'm flirting a little bit here with another advisor right now, and, and this, this sure. person was very charming. And so it seems like it'd be fun to work with them, uh, Scott. Is, is that a reason to go rush into the other side? And is that a grass greener kind of situation too? Hey, a lot of serial killers are charming too. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Char but, charming you know, can, can often pop up in some negative personalities, right? <laughs> exactly. No, but in all serious, though, I, I did a webinar called The Most Expensive Steak Dinner You'll Ever Have. And your second book will be um, uh, Your Charming Financial Advisor is a Psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you never know. Uh, <laughs> you ne it'll actually be my title, You Never Know. <laughs> it'll actually be my third book because I just did write a second book, uh, Retire Early. So um, it would be my third book, The Psychopath Perfect. Advisor. Perfect. Perfect. Um, but, no, it, it's actually – when you go to the dinner seminars, their job is to entertain you. You have to remember these advisors, and I'm not, they may be great advisors, but you have to remember the purpose of that seminar or that, that dinner seminar is that, you know, they're spending a lot of money, nine, $10,000, whatever it is to get, you know, uh, all these mailers out to, you know, that everybody gets all the time to go to these dinners and then they need to make their money back from this seminar in order for it to be profitable. So they're there to sell you, to entertain you, to get you excited. But there's a lot more working with an advisor than somebody that is charming and entertaining. You know, so what you need to do and that advisor that is doing the dinner seminar may very well be an outstanding advisor, but you need to look a little bit deeper in that surface and say, okay, what I tell people is the first thing. And when I meet with new people that come into my office and they have an advisor and I develop these strategies and, and you will know, we'll say, okay, you know, where's your tax return? Uh, you know, we're going to look at these tax strategies. We're going to do this retirement income strategy. We're going to do these different things. I tell them, hey, go back to your old advisor. If you don't feel comfortable that your old advisor can do this at the level we can, then come back to us and we'll talk to you. But I have a saying is that you know, financial advisors, it, it's very similar that to uh, 
cheating on your spouse and that everybody always tells their mistress that they're going to leave their spouse, but they never do. Right. Um, so I, I think it's a little bit of that in there too, in that you need to find out what that advisor is actually going to do for you and not be blinded by the, you know, super exciting, glamorous steak dinner show. The shiny object issue. Yeah. That, there you go. Very big problem. Very big issue in the industry, I would think, um, because it works, right? It does work. You, you, someone's paying for a free dinner for you. It's, it's very nice. It's attractive. Um, but does that really change the relationship? Was there even anything wrong with your existing relationship with your advisor? Or is it just your eyes are being taken away from, uh, from that be, just because this other thing exists out there? Well, Def and I think definitely I think red it, flags there for a grass is greener on the other side kind of thing. Yeah. And I think it has to, to deal a lot with, you know, is your advisor doing what you need them to do for you? You know, your current advisor. And if not, then, you know, maybe you look at the nice shiny object. Yeah. If it causes you to reevaluate your current advisor relationship, that's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, you should do that every once in a while anyway even without something else sort of uh, prompting it. So, you know, there's a good lesson that can be taken from that, but not necessarily, uh, certainly a reason to kind of run for the other side. Right, right, exactly. Let's go another scenario here, Scott. We're talking about is the grass greener on the other side or not. Let's say I like my advisor, but I've recently moved to a different state. And so I'm wondering if, you know what, should I work with somebody local now? Well, you know what, I... I don't think this is really an issue any more than maybe it was 10 years ago. I know yeah. myself the, the personally. The answer to this question has certainly changed, right? Yeah. I mean, I've got clients all around the country. You know, I've had clients that have been here and moved away, and we continue that relationship now with you know video conferencing and Zooms and Teams and all this stuff. That relationship's still there, and most advisors, if they have the proper infrastructure, can completely service that relationship and continue that relationship just as much as they did when you would come in and see them face to face all the time. And, you know, I've got, I've got an office in Cleveland. I've got an office down in Florida and I go down with Florida and meet with people. But a lot of the times my clients down in Florida, are, you know, we'll just do zoom calls and, uh, you know, that works out just fine. They're more than happy with that. Again, I think that, you know, technology's changed that it's really not an issue anymore, you know, as it used to be 10 years ago. Yeah, that one seems like it would have been a much more in-depth kind of answer had we been a few years ago, but not so much anymore. So right. you've already found your advisor and uh, you move, no big deal. Plenty of ways to stay in touch and still be part of that community. All right, uh, last but not least, let's say the market crashed. Scott, and I lost a lot of money in my portfolio. Boom, I'm running off to another advisor. Is that a uh, grass is greener situation as well? Darn market, that thing's a pain in the butt. <laughs> it sure is. Hate that. Um, no, but I, you know what? I, there, there's something deeper there. I, I mean, it depends on, I think the biggest thing with portfolio returns is communicating the process that your advisor your advisor communicating the process with you on what you're trying to accomplish. Now, if you're 70 years old and you win it and you've stated over and over to your advisor that you want to be conservative, you don't want to lose a lot of money, and you lose 80% of your value in the market, that's an issue there where your advisor's not doing your job for you. Now, if you're you know 30 years old, you got 20, you know, 30 years to your retire, and 
you know, the value, you're aggressive and that portfolio value drops, not quite as big of an issue. As long as you know that strategy that that, port, that advisor's following in the process that he has, and you know, hey, you know what, my account can drop 25%. And you expect that, you know it, it happens. The markets are driven by news. We can't predict the news, thus we can't predict the markets. But what we can control is the level of risk that we're taking in our portfolios in order to meet the expectations. So it may be a red flag if, like I said, you told your advisor over and over, you want to be conservative, you know, you want to try to hedge and protect yourself, and then you've got that big drop. That may be a red flag, but the opposite, you know, it may not be a red flag if indeed, you know, you are younger, you've had that communicated, and you know that that portfolio volatility is going to be there. Another great point. And yeah, this is uh, unfortunately the kind of issues that a lot of people face. You you get hit with something uh, from one direction and it makes you wonder, do I need to seek additional help or outside help or go to another third party to get mm -hmm. me through this situation? Or am I still on track with my current plan and my current advisor? Hopefully this gives you some direction if you have gone or will go through any of those kinds of scenarios that we've outlined on the show today. Is there greener grass truly on the other side? Well, uh, in some situations, yes. In some, no. And uh, hopefully that mm -hmm. helps you evaluate some of those things. If you'd like to talk to Scott about what's going on in your current financial life, see if uh, you know perhaps you've had trouble maybe with your current advisor and uh, you're not sure if it might behoove you to work with another one, uh, we'll have a conversation about that. You can get a second opinion of your financial plan. That's part of the review process that Scott can take you through. And you can reach out by calling 888-742-0111, or maybe the best way to just do it online at talktoscott.com. That's talktoscott.com. And we'll link to that in the description of today's show. So you can go check that out as well and get in touch however is convenient for you. Talktoscott.com or call 888-742-0111. You All know right, what, Walter, I, yeah, will, go ahead. I will tell you, the grass is pretty darn green over here. There you Just go. Saying. Even in the middle of winter, huh? It sounds like, <laughs> I don't know, it sounds like a big lie. <laughs> <laughs> It's all relative. That's right. That's right. I love it. Um, you, you've got that AstroTurf uh, outside the office. That's that's, that's what, right. That's what you're getting at, right? The grass is always green there. That'd actually be a great marketing strategy, wouldn't it? Like even in the dead of winter, you could have a commercial and be like, the grass is always green here. Is your whole lobby is AstroTurf? That would be amazing. I could see like a car dealership doing that, you know, like... You had bad experiences selling your car? Well, come over here where the grass is always green, you know, something like that. Would be that's right. That That's a total car dealership thing. Yes, very good little marketing uh, trick, I would believe. be kind of cool inside, too, to be walking around on AstroTurf, I think, with the cars, you know, kind of sitting around. Be Absolutely. Yeah. All right, well, we have our idea. If we ever launch a car dealership, Scott, we know how we're going to do it. So Absolutely. There you go. All right, uh, let's get to know Scott a little bit better. we got a fun question for him this week. <laughs> It's getting to know you time. All right, Scott, I was teasing you that we we're going to be talking about the ideal date on the show today. And we are not talking about like day of the year. Um, so like okay. April okay. 23rd is my ideal date. No, no. We're talking about date night. You and the wife. What's your ideal date night? <laughs> well, you know, I have to admit we're kind of boring. Uh <laughs> You know, I, I mean, I just going out, having a nice dinner and coming home and chilling out. I mean, you know, watching a show together, you know, it, it's kind of hard to do that 
I mean, we've got so many things going on. We've got so many activities. And uh, so an ideal date night for us is just going out to a nice dinner, coming home and chilling out. Maybe we go out and see a movie. But yeah, I mean, that that's kind of my ideal date night. I think my wife would agree. I hope. Nothing bad so, about uh, keeping it simple these days, right? No, I mean, you know, I'm a simple guy. I don't need fancy stuff. Yeah, I like that. That's great. Yeah. Um, I, I would say I'm, I'm right there with you. I just going out to eat is a great date night. I think doesn't have to be any fancier than that. Um, we, every once in a while, like we like going to zoos and aquariums. I mean, I'm making it even nerdier now, I suppose, but uh, I, I'd say my ideal date night is when we go like do something with animals, like see animals in some way, shape or form. So like a zoo mm-hmm. or an aquarium and then dinner after that. And then, you know, come, come back like that. To me, that's a really fun date to go out and do that kind of stuff. Okay. So. That, that. My wife's not much the zoo aquarium kind of person. Really? Generally. Okay. So, yeah, you know what? It, it's uh what, is she a monster who doesn't like zoos and aquariums? <laughs> she loves animals, but <laughs> you know, we do the zoo like once a year, but I don't know if I could convince her to hey, make it it's part date of date night. night. Let's let's, let's go, go to the, the aquarium. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if that would fly very much. Hey, it's the aquarium like putt, at night golf. The aquarium at night can be very romantic. Don't don't knock it. I mean, we were dating eons ago. We do the putt-putt golf thing. Now, I don't think my wife would be a fan of going putt-putt golf. Yeah, I don't know. That sounds more annoying than it does fun. Now, if it was go karts, maybe that would be kind of that would be kind of cool. Or top no. golf. We actually we've never done like the top golf thing. Uh, we actually have that on our list for our next date night. We're going to go do top golf. Top golf's fun. We did it as a family. We've not done it as a date night. Uh, we've did it with friends too. Now, yeah. down in Sarasota, they have so Tiger Woods has opened up like a top golf of mini golf. Okay. okay. And I can't remember the name of this place. Um, but it's down, it's right by the University Mall down, I don't know, is that Sarasota or Bradenton? Right, right on that border, right okay. around there. Somewhere in there. Uh, right. So all of everybody down in Florida, it's, it's, it's right by the, the University uh, Mall down there. And, uh, but yeah, he opened, I haven't gone there yet, but I want to do it when I go down there on one of my trips. It's basically top golf for mini golf kind of theory. So, so like they're using a lot of like tech and then you can score points in multiple ways, not just about like how many strokes it takes you to get it in there, but like there's other, like there's probably multiple holes and depending on which one you get it in, it, it counts more score, something like that, maybe something like that. And okay. then, you know, food and drink kind of thing. So you make it like a, you know, just kind of like a fun, competitive, you know, food and drink kind of thing like Top Golf is. It looks like it's called Pop Stroke. Does that sound okay. right? Okay. That that does sound right. Yep. I, I'm, I'm looking it up on Google. So, yeah. And it has something to do with his dad. I think he named it okay. that because he called his dad Pop or, or something. I heard this story. Ah, gotcha. Okay. I've not, I've not looked it up or even gone over there yet, mm-hmm. but I just knew it existed. <laughs> Pop, earn pop bucks for every dollar you spend. So they've got like rewards and you can become a VIP. Yeah, Sarasota, Orlando, Fort Myers, and Port St. Lucie, the uh, the, the okay. four locations it looks like. And then they're going to be expanding, it looks like, to other locations. They're going to have one in Scottsdale at some point hmm. in 2023, Houston, Tampa, Delray, and Glendale. So it'll be popping okay. up in some other. So it's like adult mini golf, it looks like. Yeah. Okay, cool. 
Yeah. So it's um, definitely marketed to adults and not so much to the kids. So I could probably get my wife to do the pop cough. Yeah. Wait, what is it called? Pop cough? Pop pop stroke. Pop stroke. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I think that'd be fun and different. Eat, put, drink. The <laughs> building where it is does not look like a mini golf place at all. We're not talking about like jungle atmospheres and, you know, things like that, it looks like. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. It looks like a very modern building, very high tech. It looks like you're going into an ice cream shop almost, like in, a, in an upscale, you know, shopping district, somewhere like that. Yeah, and like I said, I didn't even drive by there yet. And the hotel I stay at is right by that mall. But that building is on the other side of the mall. And, you know, it's a huge mall. It's, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, it takes a, it takes a little while to get by there. They have a, actually have a big uh, lake right there where they do competitive rowing, like USA rowing oh, cool. and stuff is That's there. That's neat. Yeah, all right in that whole area. Really, really neat area. The game changer here is they have an app that tracks your score. And that is like so much better than the traditional mini golf experience where nobody remembers to update the scores after every turn. And then you lose the pencil and the card gets tucked away in somebody's pocket somewhere. And you never know who actually won at the end of the darn thing. So And it avoids the cheaters. That's right. That's right. Unless the person controlling the... Uh, the input is the one cheating, perhaps. But uh, my thirteen-year-old, I turned oh, around. Oh wait, wait, wait. And no! She it said automatically she got it tracks your score, so that must be the technology. It knows when you hit the ball and when it drops in, and how many strokes that you've taken, most likely. Ah, uh, it's probably got a little tracker key. in the ball. Maybe, yeah. I'm guessing at that, but maybe that's what they mean by automatically tracking. So nice. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Next time, if you're around, if one of our listeners, if you've done pop stroke or you go and do it, let us know. T tell us how yeah. it was. We'd love to hear about it. Uh, send send Scott an email. Give him a call. Fill us in on what the experience was like. Well, there you go. We went from ideal date night to to ending with Tiger Woods mini golf. Uh, even yeah. though we both were saying we wouldn't do mini golf on a date night, we ended up talking about that the whole time anyway. So that's right. Maybe that's <laughs> telling us something that our hearts do actually desire an old school night of mini golf. Perhaps maybe. So. Yeah. All right. Let's get to our uh, last uh, piece of material for the day. It's a good question from Dana as we open up the mailbag. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. All right. So it's a tough question to end the show with today here from Dana. And uh, here it is, Scott. Uh, Dana says, my husband and I are getting divorced and deciding how to split up our assets. He'll owe me about $200,000. I could take that from his 401k or just take that amount from cash in our money market account. Which do you think I should choose? You know, Dana, this is a fantastic question because I just had a client in here. Well, it's been about a year now. Had a very similar situation. She was getting divorced. She came to me. It was a referral from her CPA. And she came in and met with me. And again, her husband had most of his assets in his retirement plan. And she said, you know, that he was offering to, you know, give all of the retirement plan money, all of the money she was going to get from the retirement plan. And I said, hold on, you know, you have to realize anytime you take money out of that retirement plan, you're going to be paying taxes on that money. So you don't want to have all of your money in the retirement plan. So Dana, it would probably make sense to have a mixture between the cash that you have that's liquid cash and the 401k money. 
so having that mixture will give you the greatest amount of flexibility because, hey, if you need to make some improvements to the house or something, you've got cash to do it. Because you have to remember, if you need to take $10,000 out of that 401k, you may have to take out 13000 pay taxes to get ten. So it's actually costing you $13,000 to do that $10,000 home improvement if you have to take it from the retirement plan. So having the mixture so you can have that retirement plan to grow tax deferred and then be able to use that to help fund your retirement, but then also having cash available that you can use to help supplement your income and then also for emergency money if you needed it. So I think it's a combination of both, Dana. It's a really good question, Dana. Sorry you're going through that, but you're making uh, wise choices by seeking some counsel before you pull the trigger on these decisions. Might be a great idea to go through a planning meeting with Scott and uh, get your worry-free retirement blueprint because it'll really help answer this question clearly for you in the context of the rest of your finances, savings, job situation, all that kind of stuff will be important to consider here. And so if you'd like to walk through that and have a complimentary visit with Scott, uh, have a conversation. See if you'd be a good fit to work with one another and what kind of help he'd be able to provide. Schedule a free consult by going to talktoscott.com. That's talktoscott.com. You can find that link in the description of today's show as well. Or give him a call at 888 Scott, thanks for all the help on the show today. Let's go play some mini golf and uh, we'll meet back up for another podcast in a couple of weeks. Absolutely, Walter. Looking forward to it. Sounds great. That's Scott Searles. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for taking the time to join us, and we'll see you next time on the Retirement Toolbox. Go Browns. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.